know, I mean, we're only watching Blade multiple times. Yep, nothing makes you feel like a grown man who pays his bills and just did his taxes, by the way. I did all my taxes by myself, didn't get a guy to help me. Mm. Did my late, and, then, and then immediately afterwards, I, I had a bowl of uh, Kashi cereal and watched Blade. <laughs> <laughs> had a bowl of the good stuff. So it's, the- um... When they, when the IRS was invented, and you know the founding fathers were putting together the country, they were like, "And we will celebrate all adult victories with a bowl of cereal and the film Blade." Oh yeah, and that bowl of cereal better have a picture of a a weird uh, <laughs> ape on it, like a really like an ape that's smiling, like it has a secret, like <laughs> oh, oh, no, <laughs> it knows some. This ape knows something. <laughs> it's it's because uh, it's working for Deacon Frost. It's got the tattoo on his. <laughs> oh no, that on his ape, wrist. The ape that is, ape is a right belt. It's running. It's running, <laughs> running blood for Deacon Frost. Oh god! No, oh, no. no. I, knew, I knew that uh, the Kashi brand was tainted. Yeah, I like how Blade would be matter of fact. Of course, Kashi's related to the vampires. <laughs> you didn't know that, you, you idiot. <laughs> you fool. <laughs> Turn the box upside down. That ape's a vampire. There's that part where she's like, there's that blood bank up the street. Yeah, vampire run. <laughs> it's like... Totally insane. It is yeah. like, yeah, police force run by vampires. <laughs> yep. And it gets weirder when, like, John Michael Higgins gets involved in Blade 2. But oh, um, uh, Blade Three, you mean Blade, Blade Three? You're right, Blade Trinity. Mm, Blade My beloved Parker Posey performance. Yeah. Oh <laughs> God, what a great yeah, Parker Posey. She's so awesome. Really, she watched what Steven Dorf did in Blade, and she was like, "I can do that." And then some. And that was kind of the that was the decision making, and it was correct. Hello, and welcome to the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. And I'm Patrick Gremion. And I gotta say, I'm glad that you're doing that. Oh, yes. And thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Marcelina. Thank you, Graham, uh, mm. for uh, stepping up on last week's episode. We had uh, illness swept the household. Yep. Put us, put us all on the bench. Put us all on the injured reserve. The entire family. <laughs> and... Um, you know, getting texts right now from them. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, but against all odds, you're back. And- but against all odds, I've scraped back for the sake of um, for the sake of podcasting. Mm, yes. And Wesley. And oh, yes. And Wesley mm. Snipes. Well, I, I mean, it's interesting you bring that up. I mean, I did get a personal call from Wesley Snipes this past week. Oh. And he, he was like, Don, You know, when I was going into Art of War Part 2, I had a little tummy bug myself, but I stepped (laughs) it up. You could do the same. And I was like, God damn it, you're right, Wesley. You're always right. So we're back. (laughs) We got a hot matchup this week. We've got two films that are um, not particularly alike. I'm not sure how many people other than Wesley Snipes aficionados would pair these two as a double feature, but two um, delightful films in their own right. Uh, We're, of course, talking about Tu Wong Fu, thanks to everything Julie Newmar, and we are talking about Blade. And we have a wonderful guest this week, um, completing, you know, the Trinity, our Blade Trinity, Amy Drillet from Everything is Scary, writer, Poor aficionado, all-around cool person. Welcome to the Academy. Oh, thank you. It's lovely to be here. And I, I got to say, 
Kuangsu and Blade actually have a little a little more in common than Ooh. than one would initially guess. I am excited both, to learn more about yeah, the, about these comparisons in very quiet ways. Okay, okay, I will, yeah. I, I already told Don I have a I have a theory I can't wait to throw out in the world because yeah, I'm so, it involves I, Richard M. Nixon. So <laughs> get ready, folks. <laughs> I, I've been spoiled on it. I am a truly uh, insane person at this point. The the the, the media diet I have uh, have uh, swallowed and have blended in my brain has created something within me that is very peculiar. <laughs> but but you know before we get into conspiracies, how perhaps Noxima and um, and the gang had something to do with Watergate. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's what Patrick's going to tell That'd us be about. Really good if I just <laughs> like they are actually the. <laughs> Instigators of Woodward, game. Bernstein, Jackson, Chi-Chi, you know. <laughs> the, <laughs> the big four. The big four. Vita, Matt, Vita was the editor working with Jason Robarts. Um, <laughs> pushing him around too. <laughs> Cold cocking him. Um, before we get to these conspiracies though, Amy, we got to know, what is your Snipe saga? You know, background with Wesley, thoughts on Wesley, initial viewing experiences, fandom, non-fandom, who knows? Well, as an action-loving person, right, it's kind of my second favorite genre next to horror. I was familiar with Wesley in kind of an action sense, but also New Jack City Mm. and White Men Can't Jump. And actually, Tuong Fu, I saw pretty early. I felt like I got kind of a solid mix of Wesley very early on. And like even as a kid, I was really struck by, like, he's, he's a handsome dude. And it just really blew my mind in Tuong Fu. Like, he's a beautiful woman, too. Wow. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so, He's very versatile. I, like I got, I got a, a little bit of all of him, and thank goodness my mom wasn't uh, watching too closely when we were running things at Blockbuster. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean that. What that is like the perfect. I mean, definitely like I saw all of them as well <laughs> as a very <laughs> young person. Most of them right around when they came out on video initially, <laughs> and I agree. It's like coming to school the next day and talking about. Even to one food, like whoa, that was a wild one, you know. When you're young, and then it, you know, not not picking up on a lot of it, just be like, wow, that's neat. Then that, that was funny and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, white men can't jump. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about it before. I don't know if it came up on the last episode, Patrick, but um, immediately calling everyone's mother an astronaut as quickly as possible yeah, <laughs> upon seeing a, that movie a film to emulate for sure yeah stylist but uh fashion wise on down the line but i mean <laughs> fashion in the two movies today can't no i mean everybody's looking pretty fly in both films today so. oh yeah no these are both stylistic you know blade stylistic icon noxima mm-hmm. likewise for sure I was thinking though, like when I was watching Blade and him just kind of like strolling down the streets in like downtown LA in his uh, in his outfit. If I just went to Los Feliz dressed <laughs> in a similar costume, but didn't comment on it and just walked very very confidently through, I wonder what like the 
the reaction would be. I feel like probably a police phone call. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least with me, if I were to do this thing. <laughs> yeah, there's something about a white guy in the blade costume that just doesn't Mm-hmm. It doesn't translate wrap around thing. sunglasses and the Ooh, duster the yeah. and patrick you of course will be dressed as sydney dean from white men can't jump yes. tops and the hat and oh yeah no. <laughs> I, yeah i'll be wearing the overalls <laughs> yes yeah i was thinking we should do a um academy academy themed halloween contest this year in which dresses your favorite streep al or uh snipes character and send us a photo and we'll uh we'll we'll, we'll finally make one of those uh, rumored t-shirts for okay. you, if you if you win so many fun characters to dress up as this has to happen i mean i'm leaning immediately toward the french lieutenant's woman mm, myself yeah. you know i think that that's proper a proper costume i know you you're big out of africa guy yeah, no, actually, I was thinking uh, Al Pacino as uh, Don Quixote and Jack and Jill. Oh, I think that's where I'm going to go. Yeah, inside, yes. <laughs> the, you know, kind of a kind of an onion sort of, you know, the layers of layers. Yeah, I know. I'd like a deep cut for the real Jack and Jill heads. Yeah, for the, real, for the real Pacino freaks out there. Uh, or, uh, or I could go as uh, everyone's favorite uh, crooner, Danny Collins. That's true. I saw Danny Collins currently on HBO Max. I smiled when I passed through it last night. <laughs> <laughs> like, he smiled the the, the 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 gleeful smile of the insane daddy I, I know you left me and i got daddy issues but i got a further issue it's leukemia <laughs> what <laughs> you and you can't tell my wife you cannot or, tell or, my or, wife or or my special or or my my son who or daughter or whatever oh yeah who has adhd there's like severe adhd yeah, and has to go to a special school that only danny can pay for they, they oh insane. what if we remember a lot of that movie <laughs> <laughs> you know there's like i'm it's so funny i feel like every time we watch the academy academy uh, a movie for the academy academy i i remember all these details and then, like, I lose, like, a memory from my, like, I, the first time I shook hands with my cousins or something. or like, Your sister you know, has disappeared yeah. like Marty McFly's. <laughs> oh, totally. I have some, like, I don't remember what school I went to. I don't remember, uh, <laughs> you remember my family. Kind of sneakers Pacino wore an author, author. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I remember that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that that oh yeah i remember all the uh, all the names um, of the sons <laughs> but we 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 do need to quickly before we move on to we do have there is um breaking al pacino news in the news once again for being a cool 80 year old man, oh, man uh revealed that he has a shrek phone case <laughs> for his iphone oh. um, <laughs> Why? Yes. How? Who knows? Who cares? The guy is living his best life at all times. He's an unabashed freak for Shrek, and we love it. Yeah, he doesn't. He's never tired of winning, whether he's dancing down the street with his headphones or getting in arguments on the street with his head. Same aforementioned headphones. <laughs> it's all happening for Al. It's, you know, he's, and we talked about it. He's on a roll. In movies lately, you know, whether it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or House of Gucci or Irishman, he's still, he's still got it. We love he's you, Al. He's got the spice still. The spice is with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Some he went to. Like spice. He, likes he went to the Dune planet. Well, we know someone who does not like spice, though. <laughs> yeah, he would yes, hate. And we'll he be would talking hate about being them. On the- we would hate momentarily going, yeah here. this that person would hate going to the dune planet oh my would, god what it would be like a prison planet for him <laughs> no 
there's too much spice. <laughs> I like my food really bland. <laughs> <laughs> I just want water. That's the only spice I want, ironically. Yeah, that guy. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get to all of the villainous characters in Tuong Fu in just a half a second here because there's a lot to break down when it comes to them. Even a second time through, both Arliss Howard and Chris Penn, there's a lot to think about with their characters. Yeah, Arliss um, Howard, just somehow that character, even though maybe not the worst character in that movie. Nah, he might be the worst character in that movie. He's oh, so, yeah. he's they're a, both bad. I don't know if they rank them. Bad. I think they're 1A and 1B in terms of bad. That is um, fair. fair, 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 fair. But why don't we just get into it? Amy, you seem for incredibly well-versed and diverse in your snipes team tastes you did not mention the word demolition man once and everyone else has brought up demolition man so you're already coming at it from a different angle (laughs) well i felt bad because as soon as we started talking it's like oh shit demolition man (laughs) that is one that i had on vhs Mm -hmm. um but yeah i want to say i definitely saw like new jack city and funny snipes before i saw demolition man Mm -hmm. so it was kind of a natural progression yeah, and I mean, you know, Demolition Man, he is very funny as Simon Phoenix, in addition to doing, yeah. like, in addition to being able to, like, keep up with Stallone and kind of the, the action beats, you know, and mm-hmm. our, he and if he ever, again, we're still pushing for it, DC, show some guts and courage, cast Snipes as Joker, he's already done it. Demolition <laughs> man. Um, he is essentially a Joker type character. There's a thousand Jokers. Let Wesley Snipes be one of these yeah. Jokers. Just throw him in there. Make make another movie called Joker. Have it be set in another universe. It's mm-hmm. like another weird downtrodden well, also, stand-up Also, let's comic. get to get back to it. You and I talked about it via text. We got to get back to the Nicholson era. We need a cool Joker. We've got a lot yeah. of troubled Jokers. We've got a lot of scarred Jokers. Let's a have a ball. fun Joker who like dances to Prince at art galleries. <laughs> like, look. There's only two people that could do that scene successfully, and it's Jack Nicholson and Wesley Snipes. Yeah, they are. The yeah, two. they are probably the only two people on the planet who could pull off a wonderful scene like that. <laughs> well, did you all see him in Coming to America too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's great. He, he, I felt like just seeing him made that whole movie worth it because mm-hmm. it was. Uh, as much as I love the original, I don't think we really needed that sequel. But his whole thing. Uh, he was just amazing to watch and he's amazing to watch into Wong Fu. Yes, he is. Absolutely. Everybody in this movie is really, they are really on it. And I just, oof. Yeah. Apparently uh, Wesley and John Leguizamo were both like, yes, I want this. I want this. They're both Mm -hmm. in like pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that one thing that truly sticks out among the three leads is their kind of enthusiastic sincerity for playing Mm. these roles there's absolutely no like meta irony or anything like that or like oh we're these famous action guys doing this it's like they're just in they're respectful and it's beautiful they're all beautiful performances because of that of course we are talking about 1995's Tu Wong Fu thanks for everything exclamation point Julie Newmar directed by Biban uh, Kidron Written by Douglas Carter Bean, starring Wesley Snipes, Patrick Swayze, John Leguizamo, Stalker Channing, Blythe Danner, Arliss Howard, Chris Penn, and some other uh, kind of fun younger people who went on to a few other things or um, 
and just kind of an interesting batch of folks in this movie inhabiting this town um getting ready There's for the strawberry social cameos. yeah and a whole lot of cameos on top of that too from yeah. the dra- like drag community and that kind of thing yeah RuPaul's uh, in there coco peru um Let's see, uh, head of lettuce. There, there's a whole bunch of them, especially in that first scene. It's the uh, it's Rachel real... Rachel tension. Very yeah, funny. Very not, funny. It's like the most ingenious name. Yeah, it ever. Really is. it's really like, no it's one should good. ever have no, no one should even try to give themselves a drag name now. That's the best. Yeah, uh, <laughs> head of lettuce, pretty good. Head of lettuce is quite good head too. Head of lettuce is pretty good. It is. Uh, <laughs> um, made forty-seven point eight million. At the box office, not uh, not not too bad. Yeah, um, currently has a forty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Cites consensus states: Tuong Fu, thanks for everything. Julie Newmar seeks to celebrate individuality, but is too timid and predictable to achieve its admittedly noble aims. The movie uh, oh, fuck re- off. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, received two. GG nominations at the 1996 GGs. Swayze was nominated for Best Actor and John Leguizamo was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And as of 2017, um, the original screenwriter, Douglas Carter Bean, is working on a musical adaptation for Broadway. Has not seen the light of day yet, but who knows, that could be on the horizon post-COVID. We will see and keep our fingers crossed for that. And who, who, by all the who is going to replace, who is going to step into the shoes of these three in these roles? I don't, you know, that's heavy, heavy shoes to fill, heavy shoes to fill. Uh, we kind of went into the plot and all of the crazy casting the last time. But uh, Amy, you said you had seen this movie before. Are you a longtime fan? Have you seen this? Uh, what are your thoughts? What, what were your initial thoughts on Tu Wong Fu? Well, Tu Wong Fu, I, I have been a fan for a long time, and the I, I really appreciate my introduction to it because this was something, I'm pretty sure I watched it with my mom when I was like 10 or 11, and it was not presented to me as like a gay comedy or like a drag queen thing. She's, it was given to us as like a comedy. Mm-hmm. So watching it, you know, as, as a, you know, younger kid, I wasn't quite sure of like the commentary that was going on. And I, I love this movie. I would watch it with my girlfriends. Um, we would quote it all the time. And I, I can say in its defense, like, yes, there, it, it, you, it could, I don't want to say that it's toned down and like it doesn't say enough because what the fact that the movie exists mm-hmm. is just so impressive like I'm just glad that they got anything in there at all and I think people they give it a hard time for not being this I don't know revolutionary turning the tide kind of movie but I think that um uh, that makes you forget about what it did do mm-hmm. and the fight it took to to get made and and also this is a movie that it never really goes into like this the sexual lives of the three main characters yeah. it is much more about them being themselves and just this is who they are these are the characters and people people do, i feel like the people do not give this movie as much respect as they should 
I think the other thing that I, I agree with everything you said there totally. And I think the other thing I would throw in is just the movie in 1995 could have turned any element into this, into a bad joke. Oh man. Yeah. And there are plenty of movies from 1995 and backwards that would have done that. Um, mm-hmm. This movie takes is very, doesn't, doesn't do that at all. And it really is a good hearted movie. Like it's heart is completely in the right place. And I think that that, really that means is. a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's supposed to be a joyous film. Like I understand the need for righteously angry films or films filled with like, you know, necessary fury or films that demonstrate the stark inequality of, you know, life for specific people uh, in America. And like that, those films are necessary, but I think there is also like a necessity for films that, uh, I don't know, bring like unabashed joy and Mm kind of like demonstrate something that, I don't know, people just probably did not have. And I think that this film benefited from like, I feel like America on a whole perhaps was kind of a little like that small town in the sense of like uh-huh. they were just so ignorant they didn't realize what they were witnessing and maybe that's uh, the benefit Ooh. of the, yeah you know what I mean right mm. like it was just I think I don't know like um one thing I liked about the viewing of this film the second time around is I really like the juxtaposition of Nux not I feel like Noxima really popped out yeah. more I feel like my big my big <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like my big complaint last time was I felt like uh, her uh, Snipes's um, like plot was kind of like the thinnest of the three. Yeah, like I kind of wish that he got a little more to do. But I feel like in this, I sent this crazy text <laughs> to Todd where like I've been right, I read it, just finished on audiobook. I just finished Nixon Land, and <laughs> Nixon Land. I'm I'm an insane person. I'm sorry. So it's about Patrick, like I've read Nixon Land as well. It's okay. I know. It's a great, it's a great it's work. Great. Rick, Rick Perlston's jam. But uh, yeah. that whole thing is about like uh, the, he calls them the Franklins and the Orth, Orthogonians, which I guess were names after two cl- uh, social clubs at Whittier College where Nixon attended. And mm-hmm. basically like the Franklins were like the, kind of like the upper crust, the elite sort of that um, had more refined tastes and were a little more kind of like, uh, finger waggy and like um, more morally I guess like they were kind of morally just but then you also had the uh, Franklins which were like the social strivers which were the people that had to kind of like go tooth and claw to reach where the ortho- uh, where the uh, shit second one's orthogonians first one is Franklins my bad so the orthogonians were the ones that were the social strivers that are reaching tooth and claw to have what the Franklins have and Nixon I think- was an orthogonian Yes. Yes. No. N- yes. Nixon was an Orthogonian. Uh, you know, you could say. I don't know if George McGovern was like a Franklin. Uh, but John like, F. Kennedy was a Franklin. Yes, that's the. There okay. we go. That's the. That's the. That's the chicken. Uh, but uh, I feel like there's a little bit of that. You get a little bit of that. It's not like it's not exactly one to one, but you get a little bit of that. Um, that that juxtaposition with Patrick Swayze. And Wesley Snipes, their characters, one who, you know, clearly kind of grew up with the silver spoon, Patrick Swayze's character, and Wesley Snipes, who's like the one that's trying to like make something of um, themselves and trying to like, you know, 
aspire to something and isn't quite as open and willing to like, you know, they, they've lived life a little more. And as a result, they're kind of like afraid, but I, I, I just, I really like, I just, I just like, I guess like I like the contrast of those two characters this time around, which I didn't really mm-hmm. get a uh, full taste of previously. Well, the Vita, it's, it's so interesting. And I, this is, a, I think a credit to Patrick Swayze who mm. I thought this time around, I mean, I've always thought he was good in this movie, but for some reason this time around, I was particularly moved by Patrick yes. Swayze's performance in this film. And I, I missed him so much, just like watching the movie. I was just thinking about him and I was thinking about like, similar kind of way as Wesley Snipes, it's like they can do like kind of the macho action stuff, but they've got this like kind of soft vulnerability to them too that makes them so much more like unique and interesting and that's what kind of what makes because Keanu Reeves has that too and that's what makes Point Break such a like one of the reasons why it's such a fascinating movie it's like the pairing with those two guys is like Mm -hmm. uh, in other movies they'd be like macho beating the crap out of each other but this it's like they're falling in love with each other well and Swayze for this movie for Tu Wong Fu he got to really use like his dancing mm-hmm. skills which i uh to return to dirty dancing for just a second oh. like it's kind of amazing how he can be such a good dancer in like the most masculine way yeah oh absolutely like, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't work like he has ballet training and part of that you know was really useful for you know, getting into drag and it's all about balance and coordination and uh, getting through pain because drag is no damn joke. Well, as we could see from that opening sequence when they're getting dressed, there's a huge amount that I would not personally want to like to get that cinched up. Um, it's a lot of work. It's a commitment. Yeah, it's, a, it's a huge commitment. Yes. And I think all three of these, these are three of the greatest like of their era movement mm. actors mm. just in general i mean That's wesley snipes we've talked about it in whether it's white men can't jump with his basketball skills his martial arts and um blade or just kind of i mean just kind of every movie he's got like a cool like even willie mays hayes has got like a cool walk in major league yeah. um and then john leguizamo obviously he's in the opening of the pest one of the finest musical sequences ever yeah oh god yeah. That's <laughs> definitely <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not the video that would play in hell in a loop. <laughs> if, I, if I die, if I have a heart attack right now and I woke up, I definitely wouldn't wake up in the, the shower with John Leguizamo. I've said it before. The only reason we're not doing a John Leguizamo tournament is it's already over. The pest yeah. takes, takes pest it home. Wins. Yeah. <laughs> pest wins. But, I mean, they're Sorry, all, Romeo plus Juliet. They're all so good in this. And I think that another thing that struck me was how like a starting of course i think with stalker channing like mm-hmm. legitimately like dr- wonderful dramatic performances from other members of the town and that kind of thing I, dude like i forgot like stalker channing brought it beth uh uh what is her last name beth uh grant Greth grant thank you alice beth drummond grant. of course alice. the uh spooked out uh librarian from ghostbusters yeah or the, the oldest <laughs> nun the oldest nun in doubt Yes, the oldest man in doubt, uh, Academy Academy favorite, doubt. <laughs> uh, but even like Blythe Danner, Melinda Dillon, Jason, not to be confused with Jeremy London. Um, and then to our, our villainous characters, Arliss, don't you dare try and season my food, Howard. 
and um, Sheriff Dullard, (laughs) Chris Penn. (laughs) Dude, it just it just now occurred to me, like why, like why my mom would love this, why she would feel comfortable showing it to me. Like, this is a movie that, while it isn't the you know revolutionary gay issues movie, it is addressing. It's almost like a woman to woman thing Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it takes kind of a woman like vita to step in to protect a woman like um carolan there's a lot of people there's a lot of people with two names in this town (laughs) bobby lee carolan bobby joe (laughs) and i will not say carolan oh yeah impossible impossible not to (laughs) that's a different character yeah, I mean, I think that's also that uh, that's the unspoken uh, secret between gay men and women is there is kind of a, you know, ideally it's like we're kind of on the same side. Mm-hmm. So the fact that, you know, Stucker Channing was defended that way, that always really struck me in the way Patrick Swayze kind of dropped little like, you know, I would do the same thing when my dad called me names and mm-hmm. it was just very... And it was something deeply, it's very sincere, very joyful. And it, it almost feels like a fairy tale, kind of. Mm-hmm. I, oh, was thinking that, sure. I was thinking the same yeah. thing with the shot where the camera reaches up to the um, balcony and they're doing like the dance, like they're like the fairy godmothers on the balcony watching over and they've like saved this town, basically. It's like, I got that impression too. Oh yeah, it's like a, it's like, um, uh, like a, like a poet it's like hyper reality it's uh mm-hmm. god yeah. i'm well, like it's a fantasy because you want like obviously like the stark realism version of this movie is much more dark and depressing but i think yeah. what people want to be satisfied with is everyone but these two assholes completely buying in completely falling in love and then finding all the sequence the town has for a wild strawberry jam yeah. <laughs> um, to, to top it off where everyone gets a dance moment. <laughs> I mean, like, that's like a fantasy of kind of like a wonderful coming together. It's like a perfect magical realism moment. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why I didn't, I've never thought of this as like, oh, why didn't this movie do more? It's like this movie did what it, it did what it did. And I think the fact that like, I, I know it gets compared a bit to Priscilla, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yes, fair, came out a little earlier. They're very similar in plot. But it's just, it's, it's just two very different approaches. And I would say one is, <laughs> I mean, they're both quite campy, but, you know, Priscilla is a bit more grounded in frightening reality Whereas Tu Wong Fu, it just, I mean, from the beginning, there is something just, it's just very magical about them coming out on stage. It's, uh, you know, kind of like the beginning of The Little Mermaid when all the princesses are coming out. And um, Jen always talks about that part. We watched it together. And oh. again, because she doesn't um, miss it. She's not missed it either time we've watched it for the show. She's like, no, we'll, I'll be, I'm happy to rewatch that one with you. But in the opening credits where Wesley Snipes puts on the shoes and just kind of kicks up his feet and giggles to himself, mm-hmm. she's like, that is one of the most pure 
joy moments I've ever seen in a movie. And she's right. She's absolutely right. Like, he is so happy in that moment. Yeah, there's also something to be said about the fact that um, with the exception of the very beginning of the film, you pretty much never see the characters outside of drag. Yeah. Uh, which I think is also like a an aspect of it that is the I think that adds to like uh, kind of like how uh, this is like an idealized kind of uh I'm trying to think of a way to say this properly. I don't know. Oh, God, I feel like I yes, I just feel like I'm just like saying everything incorrectly. <laughs> no, no, I think I get what you're saying. Like it's almost like we see yeah, the idealized or the we see the best version that they want us to see. Mm-hmm. Like they are, like they're yeah, full exactly. character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because 100%. that's what drag is illusion. It is performance mm-hmm. art. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what I always found, well, not always, but once I learned more about like who, who and what drag queens are and what they do, mm-hmm. um, drag queens are not always in drag they are gay men who Mm -hmm. perform and the fact that they are always in drag that's i think that for me at least is what gives it a lot of the very whimsical quality because they're Mm -hmm. always this this wonderful character and it's them but it's them in like yeah like a hyper real life version of them and it's it's beautiful and joyful so damn joyful there's like a wonderful like any other movie would have had a scene where like patrick swayze comes in like his non-vita outfit to like confront his mom or dad like that's like a classic like drama Mm -hmm. type scene that's just like i love the fact that he tears up the map and drives away from his parents house it's like the hell with these guys yeah exactly that's one of the scenes with uh, one of Noxie's best lines when uh, mm-hmm. uh, Vita is making that U-turn. She's Vita, this is unbecoming of a lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love, I love Noxima's relationship with Alice Drummond and just kind of how that's the pair, that's the pairing Noxima gets of the town folks. Um, that it's like a such wild, a fun yeah. team. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to hang out together. But more. I mean, all the way through, even to, like to the I am Spartacus ending which is wonderful and just kind of i mean i thought that like stalker channing and patrick swayze might get like every time I, i've watched it, i'm like are they doing too many like big dramatic i'm gonna cry talks to each other as they're le- as patrick swayze's about to leave town but i'm like now nah, it's it's fine <laughs> but i think like too like the other thing i was thinking about is like for as awful as he is like chris penn's character is so ridiculous yeah. That you're like, they're gonna get away from him. Like he's like he isn't like you know, he's evil, but he's like he's gonna get his comeuppance and you can feel it all the way through the movie. Mm-hmm. Arliss Howard, not so much. He's a little scarier because he seems a little more grounded in yeah. his evil um and his hatred of spicy food. That is um, just like I just I have to say, like for some reason, out of everything that I, like that just not liking spice is such a de- like you're a villain. That's like you're you you are a Batman villain. Yeah, you, <laughs> you do not like, like flavor. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't like flavor. What a jerk. Um, but I was thinking about something you said about like Patrick Swayze and his 
Avita's privilege versus the other Chi-Chi or Noxima's privilege. Vita's always the one who likes wants to like stick their head into other people's business or change people or save people. And like Vita probably like to go downstairs and confront Arliss Howard when they heard the fight going on and both Noxima and Chi-Chi were like, no, don't do it. But in Vita's mind, it's like, I'm going to come down. But it's like, it's so nuanced what Swayze's doing because there's this kind of like blow hard, I'm going to kick down doors quality. But then there's also this real vulnerability and like this fear kind of like the, you know, of what happened with their parents and that kind of thing. And like the pain that they're like trying to push down by being a veteran leader mm. of the group, you know, and kind of the take charge one and that kind of thing. There is this, like when when she says to Stalker Channing, come with us, it's so like beautiful and sincere. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's like, of course it's not, but it's like Vita needs a friend just as badly. Like mm-hmm. I think Noxima and Chi Chi are definitely friends, definitely like I think, but the connection that she's made with Carol Ann seems deeper. Yeah. In a it's, way. It, yeah. I totally understand that. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a it's it's a very sweet it's a very sweet movie. And Snipes is terrific in it. He's super funny. Yeah, um, he's really good in this movie. But he does he, he gets good stuff. Like at the end with the Holly the speech about making everything his you know, Hollywood and that kind of thing. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. It's it's he gets moments. I I still think Chi Chi and Vita get a few more. Yeah. I wish like the movie had given Snipes in particular like an extra ten minutes. I think it yeah. could have afforded like just a little more of like some sort of a larger obstacle for Snipes to um, kind of overtake. Yeah. Maybe if he had to like win Alice Drum. Although like I kind of like that he doesn't have to win Alice Drum and Dover. How that's just like a very easy relationship to form. Yeah, it's just fun. They just talk about old movies. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of like. <laughs> and I see Alice Drum and it's like, oh yeah, cool. She I, I, it gives hope for me when I become an old person. That's essentially just a walking IMDb. And there is something kind of like it is kind of thrilling when, at the end when Chi Chi wins the drag queen of the year it is kind of like wow that's great look mm-hmm. at that and then you get the the look of a, a little confused julie newmar where yeah he, he what is this jump. movie what am i doing here yeah. <laughs> did they just film her while she was in the neighborhood who knows but you'd be surprised this is actually named after you <laughs> you know what she got a check she got her name on the poster it's yeah i mean i'd say an entire generation knows her most from the name of this movie honestly <laughs> probably yeah. yeah but yeah this was this is this is a fun totally fun movie totally sweet movie too i really i really like just how good natured the movie is i think amy mm-hmm. made a lot of good points about that just kind of how it's like yeah there is a place probably for a much more grounded deep look Mm-hmm. at the issues on display mm-hmm. here um yeah. but i mean people also deserve to have fun and kind of have a fantasy of victory yeah too mm-hmm. you well, know and-, and a wonderful like all-encompassing victory for well, everyone involved and, you know like without <laughs> this movie is there like a swan song like is there like, i was yeah. just thinking about swan song and how i felt the same 
watching that one. Have you seen that one yet, Amy? No, not yet. Uh, not it's yet. it's got Udu Kier. And he plays a um, hair uh, town's kind of bigwig hairdresser who has mm-hmm. now he's been in a he's he's been in a nursing home and he finds out that his number one client who was the richest lady in town has just died. They had some mm. sort of falling out and he escapes the nursing home so he can do her hair one last time for the mm. funeral. And Aww. it's and it's like a it's like it's a wonderful like I mean obviously there's some heavy stuff but it's also like a celebration mm. type movie too and it's a celebration of Udu Kier being awesome and giving him like a full scale like dramatic leading man role at yeah. AJD which totally rocks he's awesome he's so awesome in it he crushes it he's you're right though patrick i got the exact same kind of warmth and emotional feelings watching that film as i did this film so folks out there this wonderful double feature um Mm -hmm. two on fu and swan song definitely check that out and a a little little shout out to steven spielberg who basically was the reason Tu Wong Fu got made because this was his production company like he's the one who kind of tied everything together no male director would touch it oh wow he he hired a b-band kid drum and she was pregnant while they were filming wow and and he was totally behind her he even said if you need me to step in as director, like, you know, if you need the time off for the baby, like, I'll step in. Just let me know. So it was awesome. very, oh, it's so awesome. And well, everyone involved at Amblin was very kind. They were all totally supportive. And it, it kind of the sad part about it is that after the movie was made a lot of the people you know who worked on this movie because they had worked on the gay movie Mm -hmm. even though it was like a successful it kind of not blacklisted them but it hurt their career career. yeah wow that's too bad because i mean this movie was a huge deal everybody saw it when it came out in 95 i mean whether they saw the theater or on video i mean everybody saw this movie Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's uh, we we I guess we like to think the '90s was yeah. more progressive than it was, but it's so like if you can give this movie a hard time, sure. And yes, Wesley deserved more time, but it was a fight to be made, mm-hmm. and it was I think just it's a wonderful step in normalizing, you know, this part of our part of our culture and bringing it into the mainstream in a way that isn't complete mockery yeah i agree completely and um i want to also give a shout out to we hadn't mentioned him before we move on robin williams in his one scene as john jacob jingleheimer schmidt um, <laughs> i noticed this time around him and leguizamo are straight up like cuddling each other through in the booth in that entire scene and robin williams is like goosing leguizamo <laughs> and causing him to giggle and i'm just like oh like i love how into it they are i love how just like Oh man! Yeah. <laughs> How much fun they have! Similar having. energy, similar energy. Because I feel like Robin Williams, another person that could do that past intro. Yeah, yeah, and, and he I was like... considered for Vita's role, mm-hmm. but he actually said, "I think I'm too hairy." And we <laughs> should note, um, 
real quick here. We ran it down last time around, but we'll do it again because I, I need to take a deep breath. The actors considered for the role of Vita include Robert Downey Jr., William Baldwin, Gary Oldman, Matthew Broderick, James Spader, John Cusack, Mel Gibson, Robert Sean Leonard, Willem Dafoe, Tommaso himself, Patrick, John Turturro, Matt Dillon, Rob Lowe, Johnny Depp, Tom Cruise, and Robin Williams. Who? So many of those I want to see. I, I, yeah, I, I want to see like, um, I wish there was like a DVD special feature of just the screen tests. That's all we need to see is just like, the whole of like Top Cruise. Like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> I want to see the Matthew Broderick version. That's an insane. That's like somehow that's the craziest one to me. I, I James Spader would bring such a sense of unease mm, and evil to yeah. the entire thing. Just so a hair crazy. too sinister. A hair yeah, too just sinister. a hair too sinister, James. Tone it down. You get Vita's a good person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Vita has a good heart, James. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see. I see a dark side. You say that about every movie, James. Yeah, James, you said that about everything. You turned The Office into a psychosexual drama by the time you were done on the show. (laughs) You said said that when you were the lead of Stargate, James. Come on. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Kurt Russell thought you were full of shit, too. (laughs) (laughs) French Stewart loved you, though. But so, obviously, Wesley, great as Noxima, but. Mm. This week, also facing off in one of, I would say, arguably Wesley's signature roles. Mm. That is, of course, 1998's Blade, directed by Stephen Norrington, written by David S. Goyer, um, starring Wesley Snipes, Stephen Dorff, Chris Christopherson, Nimbushe Wright, Donna Loge, and other, and Udu Kier makes yeah. is is in the mix on this one. And other interesting people, and one thing we got to note too, Stephen Norrington in a deleted scene, the director himself played Michael Morbius. Of My course, God. it is the summer of Morbius right now. So yeah, Morbius. You know, this is the you know the kids born this year. It's going to be the Morbius generation because so many mm-hmm. kids were born. It wasn't Hadley almost named Morbius. Oh, it was so close. So, so close. I mean, just like it was just a hair. We were talking about it days yeah. after, and they were like. The doctor's office was like, we got to get this birth certificate done. And we're like, we're, we are deciding here. We got, there's this movie that's going to come out soon. <laughs> Very Jared soon. Leto is Morbius. It's already, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's already been on like the shelf for six months. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be good, too. It's going to be really, really good. The director yeah, is not going to want to be talking about killing themselves. <laughs> yeah oh god yeah i forgot that like yeah, daniel is supposed to like his response was i am filled with self-hatred <laughs> oh god oh Dark my god grim. uh so blade has a 57 yeah. percent consensus on rotten tomatoes the site's consensus states though some may find the plot a bit lacking who i don't know uh blade's Ooh. action is fierce plentiful and appropriately stylish for a comic book adaptation ebert gave it three stars Blade is a movie that relishes high visual style. It uses the extreme camera angles, the bizarre costumes and sets, the exaggerated shadows, the confident cutting between long shots and extreme close-ups. It slams ahead in pure visceral imagery. Ebert, spot on. The movie cost $45 million, made a nice $131.2 million at the box office, of course, spawned two sequels and um, a remake coming soon that in the tv show and there's more blade content on the horizon and uh 
we are still standing by our desire to see Wesley Snipes play Whistler in the up forthcoming all variations of it. We know Wesley's 60 years old this year. He might not be able to do the high kicks in the same way, but Chris Christopherson is like a thousand playing Whistler. So we can make, we can make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. On that subject really quickly. Like if they do, a, if they ever do a major league reboot, have like in the same way that they should hire Wesley Snipes to play Whistler, have Wesley Snipes play Lou Brown. Yeah. Have him be the lead of the Toledo Mudheads. <laughs> yeah. And of course, Auto World. <laughs> <laughs> I want a fake pot belly on Wesley Snipes. Get Rick Baker. Make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get Rick Baker to do the yeah. Major League reboot makeup. <laughs> yes. I want. <laughs> yeah. Wesley Snipes is playing every character. Oh, a clump situation. Yeah. A classic clumps. A classic clumps. Um, <laughs> boy, I'll tell you what. Uh, this watch for Blade for me, I thought it. It particularly kicked ass this time <laughs> around. I don't know how you guys felt. Amy, how did you feel this time around? I know you're wearing a Blade t-shirt, so you've seen Blade before. <laughs> oh, I have. I have. Actually, I think I believe Blade was one of the first DVDs that I got. I mm-hmm. remember that um, I think I've since upgraded, but you know, the mostly cardboard DVD case. Yeah, those were awful. The little snapper yeah, it was case. Like, you get the movie and a menu. That is oh, all. God, yeah. Yeah. Cardboard. And I was happy. Um, <laughs> so this movie, gosh, this movie is at this beautiful intersection of horror, action, and comic books. And it just... I just uh, I continue to marvel at how it can satisfy like the horror lust that I have, but also be just so kick ass Mm. and and also very stylish. Like I'd forgotten this was a year before The Matrix came out, before the whole, you know, all black, the glasses, the coat, the boots. This was this predated that. And I think I I think I noticed a lot more this time mm-hmm. around and appreciate it a bit more and but it's it's always a movie anytime i have watched it i have enjoyed it mm-hmm. like it's it's one of those that i can just go back to it, you can put it on with anybody that you know that i know and and i respect and it's like oh let's watch blade you know whether we listen or not it's just <laughs> it's never lost that spark it, it's it's gloriously r-rated which is something i gotta give real credit for it's just like tremendously Mm r-rated and i really love like and it's something that in this like battle villains are so tough in comic Mm -hmm. book movies and i really like the gleeful mustache twirling wild styles of the stephen dwarfs and in particular MVP, yeah, Donna Loge. Um, oh my goodness! Who just yeah. is, why doesn't Blade kill him at the blood rave? Does he? Because he has to give a message back to Deacon Frost. He would have saved, solved a lot of problems if he had just taken yeah. out Donna Loge in that opening scene. Donna Loge <laughs> causes him so much guff. He would. Yeah, make, he yeah, really, make his life he a lot really does. And, and you know, and I, I guarantee, if Whistler had heard about that, Whistler would have given Blade a bit of a lecture. You know, Blade. When you're gonna kill Donald Logue, you gotta just kill him. You can't let him get away. 
I'm going to tell you the story about the time I was a roadie for Steely Dan. So this one time we were out with 38 special, we ran into some vampires in Tennessee. And let me tell you what, Blake, we, me and the boys from 38 special did not let them get away. But the day music died was not, it was vampires that killed Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper. I was there. I was there. Big Bopper died in my hands, Blade. And he died brave. Big Bopper died brave. <laughs> I put one in Big Bopper's head when he started to turn. <laughs> then he became the small bopper. He was just ahead. <laughs> I still love his music, though. Yeah. <laughs> I still have the telephone he uses. <laughs> oh, but, you know, but even like things like, was it um, Pearl, the um, Job of the Hut? Vampire. Oh, yeah, the weird, yeah, that character, yes. We need more of those in movies. More just, like, weird to go around the corner. Well, that's in, like, like Mad Max Fury Road just cornered the mark, cornered the market in those kind of guys. Yeah. But all of these movies should have those kind of guys in them. Just uh, strange monsters. Like, I guess Blade 2 does, that, does quite a bit of that as know, well. But I think there's something about... And, I think Andy was like alluding to this. Like Stephen Norrington is such a like specific weird British cyberpunk. Like his he is just a unique weirdo, and he got to like mm-hmm. have his like whole like you know his style yeah. is all over this film. And and Snipe seemed to Snipe seemed to say, "I'm all in. I think this is grad. Go for it, Steve." Yeah, everyone was a dwarf was on board. Snipes was mm-hmm. on board. It was, yeah, no, everyone was vibing. And, like, yeah, even, like, the CGI in this movie, I think I commented on this last time, because usually, you know, old CGI, terrible. But because it's so stylized, because, you know, it's the Norrington Touch or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. it looks like, it's just, like, it looks cool in, like, a weird artistic way. Like, it looks, like, unique and, like, very specific to him. I don't know. Like, I, yeah, really liked it. Yeah, it's a movie that just, it... It feels kind of like fine wine. It's just getting better with age. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's this is also a very special movie because much like Tu Wong Fu, this, it was a fight to get this made. This movie was several years in the making. And while it may not have been obvious at the time that it came out, its existence was very influential. Like, this was an R-rated, black-led, comic book horror movie. Like, this is, and if, you know, aside from, you know, Black Panther, uh, Luke Cage, how many, you know, black leads have there been in, like, comic book movies? Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that they did this, and it almost, like, like snuck it in there like it's a vampire movie. Because it is, but it's more than that. And it's um, the fact that they, because the studio asked at one point, like, can Blade just be white? Yeah. And everybody uh, involved was like, no. Because <laughs> it's, it really, the, the fact that he is black and that he has this day walking you know one foot in each world kind of ability like Mm -hmm. it's very significant Mm -hmm. that 
it's him, not a white guy who has like these strengths and weaknesses and is a, a part of both worlds and neither. Mm-hmm. That, that, um, that, that is, yeah, spot on. And if you compare <laughs> it to with kind of the way they treat and the way Deacon Frost behaves about mm. being not a pure blood pure blood vampire and his desire to like and he how upset he gets when he's not like doesn't get what he wants yep another kinda... another orthogonian uh, franklin mm-hmm. uh, yeah there you go him, him and uh udo kier <laughs> there we go there we go but again much like two Wung Fu as well everyone um chris christopherson who i i've i've praised over and over again on the mm-hmm. show i'm a fan of his music i'm a fan of him as an actor i think he's a neat guy just completely and overall he has to deliver so much like exposition in this movie and you come up to this like seen it all 70 year old country singer like <laughs> all right you got to talk about serums and like and garlics and the essence of garlic and stuff and he's like yeah i can do that and he's like does it? He's like it. Doesn't see. He's like doesn't seem like he's like an old guy. Like wondering what the hell he's saying and taking. He's like I'm in. I like that. I'm in. Like everybody's like there's there's a sincerity to this movie. Like Dorf and Logue are having the time of their lives as the villains. Mm-hmm. Well, it's both. I mean, it's both comic booky, but also dark. Mm-hmm. Like in the way that like the Crow was dark. It's a comic book, but it is dark mm-hmm. and there are different stakes here so even when you are kind of talking about fantastical vampire serum essence of garlic dooley dooley do um it's just the way it's discussed and handled they it's it's not exactly serious but but yeah yeah there's kind of a seriousness about it Mm. that i think you could only have from in our rating well, there's also no, you know, Patrick and I always joke about the I'm flying now. Yeah, I think we can fly now. Josh Whedon joke style that mm. has infiltrated all of these movies. Like, yeah, we went yeah. there. Like, yeah, yeah, we're going to use essence of garlic. I'm thinking we're going to, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, there isn't any of that in this movie. It's like Blade has to save the world from these bad guys. And that's that like it's very straight up it's kind of straightforward in that regard mm-hmm. and blade is like established right away as this badass but they've got powers and like i love it when dorf when dorf gets torn in half and then comes back together again and they cut the look on snipe's face like oh okay so <laughs> we got a real fight now what the fuck i watched on the closed caption that's literally what it said it was mouths what the fuck? Working <laughs> <laughs> like, subtitles. It's hard to get out of the brain. Yeah. This is, of uh, course, after, uh, was it like seven uh, angel skeletons fly into Stephen Dorff? Yeah. Uh, it's all. It rules. And, you know, and you could talk I'm, about the effects, but I think, like, I think there's a real charm to even the early CGI that current mm-hmm. CGI totally lacks. Like it's yeah. like it still has this like opening up the Ark of the Covenant level of like a bunch of kids getting together. Hey, let's see what happens when we have to do these effects. They're not going to be perfect, but at the same time, it's a movie. You buy it more. You know, it's like I like the like the 
I like that this movie is kind of rough around the edges I, at times. Mm. I think that there's like a real like that's what I like about like I mean we you know Amy you've, you have the entire show that you guys watch all these movies all the time that are like about this like charm of like the vibe the vibe of a lot of like 80s and 70s horror movies is like a bunch of friends getting together and <laughs> let's see what happens we like these movies and we're gonna try and make a buck and then yeah. all of a sudden like we whoa we created something kind of cool because there was we're just trying something here and we're not trying to like we made ham- a buck yeah exactly or but they're not trying to sell hamburgers or like action figures just yet yeah. there's this kind of just the spirit of the endeavor and i think it's goes back to what you're saying about everyone who was involved who's really passionate about getting mm-hmm. this project off the ground starting obviously with wesley snipes because this was mm-hmm. one of his kind of like dream characters and parts mm-hmm. that he wanted to play you get the vibe that they didn't have as much uh they did a good job of deflecting like studio meddling like it does mm-hmm. feel like a weirdly mm-hmm. like even in like I think that well, like even the best like, movies that feel like they weren't released, they were unleashed. It was yeah. just kind of like, oh, this showed up, and this is what we got. I don't know what to do with this. It's like, oh, cool. Well, if you look at like, even like the films, like flippant nature, like the fact that they have like the blood rave or like the crazy stuff with like Blade's mom, insane. Oh, I feel I like it, yeah. it, you get the sense that like if they uh, oh, if they studio- did that, like, if they had Captain America's mom do that in one of the Marvel movies? That would be crazy. I would love it. Kevin I'd be very Feige. supportive of it. But Kevin Feige would have your head uh, your head on a spit, sir. Yeah, he would show up like uh, you'd walk into a room like Joe Pesci and Goodfellas and he'd be standing behind you with his like baseball hat on. And this movie uh, kind of saved, actually when I say kind of, I mean it definitely saved Marvel Studios mm-hmm. because the last feature film they had done before Blade was Howard the Duck. Oh no. Oh yeah. man. So That's a bummer. They were kind of in the shit. <laughs> and so uh yeah, then Wesley Snipes swoops in and you know it's like I think he he was also like a big fan of Luke Cage and he wanted to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, it, it's one of those like oh thanks wesley snipes like you swooped in and say your movies kind of saved like marvel from complete you know yeah and the least they could have done the least they could have done is um repay him by letting him play whistler in the, in the, in the remake mm-hmm. but i mean this was around the time too of um your take around here patrick if you remember back to our james cameron episodes when james cameron was working spider-man Oh, yeah. And considering kind of doing that, it was right around this time period as well. And that would have when he wanted DiCaprio to play Spider-Man. That would have been so insane. I would have. uh, What a weird world we'd live in if that because that would be like the highest grossing movie of all time. (laughs) Probably the the Cameron, his like weird vision of Spider-Man would be just would. Yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, very different. Yeah, I mean, I I do wish like I, I, I like the idea of like weird visions for these characters because i think these characters the neat thing about these characters is that they're so kind of flexible in a sense like there's a handful of rules you have to follow like batman's parents die yeah and which causes him to want to be batman but beyond that you can kind of do whatever you please yeah like it's not like there's like a like there's a, a consistent like character 
over like the 500, you know, the 50 plus years or 70 plus years of Batman. Yeah. I, like I remember when um they don't do it anymore, which always disappoints me, like different, different thing, but like how Tom Cruise used to hire all sorts of crazy people to do the Mission Impossible movies. Like he would go like Brian oh, De Palma yeah. to John Woo to do them. I like, I really wish that these superhero movies did the same thing. Like every, every Avengers was a different, like, that's David Cronenberg's turn to do Captain America. What's going to happen? Let's see it. You know? I want Brian De Palma's hot guy. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we talked about Brian De Palma's Black Widow would probably work. <laughs> totally. Yeah. that seems like his like his jam completely um but yeah i want yeah i love it would be so neat but april ferreras howard the duck yeah oh yeah and we would know where boy bad things would happen in that (laughs) just him hanging out with tomaso but i love what i like about this one too is that wesley is so like like you have that picture of him with a grin on his face behind you he does yeah. a handful of things in this, like where he just like he lets his Wesley Snipes kind of like flamboyant weird side come out, and have like ninety percent of the time he's stoic and tough, and you know a hero kind of action hero kind of character. But um, but yeah, like I love it when he gets fun when Blade is funny. Mm-hmm. And that was something Wesley Snipes personally was pushing for with the character. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. There's, there's one point in the hospital. I think the director, I don't think the director was quite used to, like, Wesley was improvising a bit. Mm-hmm. And in the hospital, you know, when uh, he gets shot and he says, motherfuckers, are you out of your damn minds? <laughs> that was Wesley. That was just Wesley. And he argued, like, no, keep, keep that in. He's like, but it wasn't in the script. And he's like, I don't know if I want to add, dare I say, that kind of flavor. And it's like, no, you want that kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. You do. Yeah, that is easily like the funniest. Mo- that like just the cops being there just for like one second. And then they shoot him. And then Wesley gives his like quip. And the cops immediately like exit stage mm-hmm. left. It's almost like a vaudeville routine. It rules. Well, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's. I like what I like, and we've seen this in his other, like, Passenger 57 would obviously be the prime example of him in action mode, where he's also, like, he also has to be, like, very cool and, like, kind of, like, clever as well, and he even brings that to Blade here, but he doesn't do it in, like, a kind of, like, again, the Josh Sweden kind of, like, comedy. Mm-hmm. It's, like, in the moment, just being it's kind of funny and goofy. Yeah. He's it really is much good. more like this is just a guy getting shot at. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's humanizing, but in a very funny way that kind of gives you a splash of this this person. Yeah, you know, not just this image, but actually, yeah, this is how we would talk. <laughs> <laughs> totally, and I think um, yeah, everyone in the relationships he has, like I, I love his stuff with Christofferson. I think that they've got such a great relationship and it, it's such a massive bummer when Whistler dies in this one and it's such a like joy when Whistler returns. In, and then again, a huge massive disappointment when Whistler dies in part three. Um, <laughs> like, no, you can't do this to me twice. Yeah, it's like, 
this is a team. This is a team operation. And I know stakes need to be raised, but we need Whistler. Yeah. Like Sherlock Holmes needs his Watson. Blade needs his Whistler. And I wish that um, Karen, um, our human doctor character, had been brought back for yeah. the sequels. I think she's real good in oh. the film, too. Yeah, she I, largely stepped away from filmmaking after her father's death. Oh, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, uh, I, I might be mistaken, but I think he was murdered. Oh, yeah. He was a jazz musician. Yeah, died yeah. in 2011. Yeah, I was... Um, I was reading an interview with the cast of Blade, and mm-hmm. he was notably not present. Her and oh, Christopherson, and um, well, that's and too bad. they were, yeah, yeah, they were all saying, you know, she was so kind and beautiful, mm-hmm. and also, you know, a black female co-lead. Yeah, like she's yeah. strong. She's not someone's girlfriend. She's a doctor. Who is actually solving shit, like figuring things out for the yeah, hero? Yeah, like and... the scenes with her and Whistler doing science—I'm going to call it science stuff. Yeah, um, <laughs> when they're sciencing, <laughs> so doing some of their sciencing uh, is are really like, and again, like both of them have to deliver like crazy exposition about how like garlic, essence of garlic can <laughs> prevent vampirism. <laughs> and, like, I do love their commitment, but they do it so well. Both of them yeah. are so like natural at it. It's it's really. Um, it's really good. I'm I sorry. Trust that she... the authority in his voice, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry she had the family tragedy because she's a terrific actor and would have liked to see more yeah. of her, but I hope, you know, things have. Uh... I remember watching her in Zebra. Something. She's really good in that movie mm-hmm. uh, yeah, with she's Michael in... Rappaport. She's in Fresh and she's in uh, Dead Presidents. As oh, well. man. Yeah. Also, it's just, it's super funny that uh, Garlic is like very treated so seriously in this movie. Like, they have a moment where they're like, crosses, you fool. Like a cross would never hurt of, and then they're like, "Yes, but garlic. There's science behind it. Garlic yeah. is real. It'll hurt vampires. Garlic is serious business. This is this shot's gonna hurt you real bad, darling. I'm gonna give you a shot of the garlic in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting a <laughs> couple chunks in you. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I'm never gonna. Whenever we're cooking, I am going to refer to it as essence of garlic. Oh yeah, for now on. Yeah, not cloves. It's essence. It's essence of garlic. It's the essence of garlic. But I, I really like, I really like snipes in this. I don't think like this. Now that we're kind of going to get down to the conversation here about what's moving on, and Patrick and I have been texting behind, little peek behind the podcast curtain. Patrick and I have been texting about our fear here of like. I have no idea what what to vote for. Yeah, they're both movies. great movies. Yeah, it's a tough. He's yeah. great in both of them. He's bringing different sides. I mean, as we've gotten to know with him, like he can bring a lot of different sides mm-hmm. to these roles, and so it's like it's so hard to tell, like, <laughs> you know, to judge him. And we're also kind of creating because unlike our previous people we've covered, Meryl Streep and Al Pacino the reams of text that have been written about Meryl Streep and Al Pacino's greatest movies and performances and stuff like that. It's like, you kind of have this guiding light. Mm. Of course, Sophie's Choice. Of course, Dog Day Afternoon won our tournaments. I mean, everyone is a pretty strong agreement there, but Wesley Snipes is like, you know, is Demolition Man your favorite Wesley Snipes? 
knives is passenger 57 your favorite white man can't jump or blade it, or something it's almost like asking who's what is your favorite tim curry mm-hmm. like are yeah. you legend tim curry are you clue tim curry are you you know mm-hmm. rocky horror tim curry like and wesley snipes i i wouldn't quite place him at the nicholas cage all over the place range mm-hmm. just uh, mm-hmm. by the sheer volume that cage has done but snipes is snipes is up there like he when you sit down and actually look it's like oh mm-hmm. like he has done kind of yeah i mean the, i don't know if he's done a romantic comedy but <laughs> but he's done a striking amount of work i mean we've had the chance to see a lot of different snipes films over the past few months and with more to come even and uh just a fascinating talent. I mean, it's somebody like Cage, of course. I mean, I saw the other day he named his three favorite. And it's like three from Cage is hard to narrow down, let alone Cage's yeah. number one movie. I mean, oh, for sure. Geez. You pick, you name it. What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Hadley, uh, her favorite Mandy, movie is uh... Mandy, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, uh, bringing out the dead. <laughs> She's just bringing a... out the dead, yeah. yeah. She's a dark. Mandy, face off. And I'd have to, I, actually, no, I really got to think about that one. Face so, off was my introduction to Nicolas Cage. I would have face off in my top three as well i i gotta put vampire's kiss in my top three just because i think that's like the birth of ludicrous cage that's when you see like the potential for insanity yeah it's born now i gotta i think i mean this is today could change tomorrow mm-hmm. um bringing out the dead face off and wild at heart Ooh. Ooh. Squid and the whale. No, not squid and the whale. Uh, the weatherman. The mm-hmm. weatherman. Oh. He was so good in that. Gore Verbinski. Yeah. Freaking king. Damn. Uh, I need. Uh, I need five. I need five. I don't think I can <laughs> you need do five three. spots. Yeah. By, by the way, my favorite Tim Curry movie got to be the uh, cutscenes in Red Alert Two. <laughs> the <laughs> the uh, RTS, the computer RTS Red Alert Two. Oh man, oh. what just great, great cinema. Speaking of which, or. Uh, Similarly, have y'all seen the alternate ending to Blade where Stephen Dorff's character becomes a big, basically a big blood cloud? Oh, wow. What? Yeah. We gotta, we, if it moves on, I'm buying it. And so I can watch the special features. We've been, I've been renting it each time it's, out. It's definitely somewhere. It might be on YouTube. But yeah, the original ending was going to be uh, Deacon Frost kind of assuming the blood god form but the way they did that was he's like a big red cloud that's kind of swirling around and test audiences were like fuck no where's steven dorf and yeah. so they put in the whole awesome ass sword fight yeah and the sword fight just feels so like it's so funny how movies work because like the second wesley turns around and steven dorf has got his sword out he's like come on and you're like yeah, this is the only way this movie should end. Is a sword fight between these two. <laughs> we need techno music and katanas. Yeah, and a, and a great catchphrase from Wesley Snipes. In that in that classic uh, ancient vampire uh, uh, temple uh, in the middle of Los Angeles. In the middle of Los Angeles. It's, it's, it's been there for thousands of yes. years. Yeah, I'll buy it. I'll take it. Yeah, it it rocks. <laughs> the movie rocks. Obviously, you know we're well into the show. You all. 
all of our listeners, I'm sure, have already rewatched it, and you're all aware of how good it is. But um, mm-hmm. will it move on? We're here. We're at the moment of truth. But first, let's give out some Harrelsons. Let's say, let's eat. Let's lighten the load. Let's warm up to this big vote. Oh my god! Oh my god! Hadley is so excited. <laughs> she is like on the edge of her seat. She watched both films with me, so she's got an opinion Aww. on it. Um, Man, I just noticed Hadley. Is she wearing the uh, leather uh, jacket, she, katana? She's dressed as blade. <laughs> yes. Is Hadley a little blade? Why does she have so many tattoos? <laughs> If you go to the right guy, they will do baby tattoos. So you got to go to the right guy, though. Like, it's not every tattoo yeah. artist. <laughs> got to find a good baby tattooist. But um, I goofed up. Tim Curry isn't in Red Alert 2. He's in Red Alert 3. It's Udo yeah. Kier who is in Red Alert 2. Dude, the cast of Red Alert 2... <laughs> Of the of the VOD, like the the the, or the uh, what's what's it called when they would have like those like um it's kind of like what the Sega CD had like those FMVs the full motion videos like that, that mm-hmm. were in that game. Uh, here's the cast. I just got a Ray Wise, Barry Corbin, <laughs> Carrie Werher, and Udo Kier. <laughs> Ridiculous. I love it. I love Ray Wise. Oh, Ray Wise slaps so good. I just want him and Danny Houston to get into like a devilish smile off. Oh my god, yeah. They both have to like uh it's like two um Fausts. Like they're doing a they're two not Fausts, two Mephistos. It's like a Mephisto yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> they're both trying to, you know, sell each other cursed wares. <laughs> <laughs> we all have needful things. Yeah, these are things we need. So let's give out some Harrelsons. Oh, let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do this thing. Amy, would you like to go first? Who is who do you, who's your supporting player of the week, either film? Gosh, you know, I gotta give some love to uh Donald Logue. He is such an odd he's he almost feels out of place in Blade, but he kind of he, he's another one of those pieces that if he weren't there, that'd be another loss of flavor because he is just yes so like sleazy and funny and kind of like the whipping boy of the movie mm-hmm. and i i also just love him and apparently this was the most fun he's ever had making a movie and you could tell uh, yeah i gotta give it to him and that is it's brave to get your hair braided like that those braids are t- <laughs> it's a naughty vampire naughty vampire god uh, he's so he's so like He's great. Broad and goofy, it rules. <laughs> yeah, it's and you just like a classic henchman of the highest yeah, order. Yeah, you know, versus <laughs> the like uber cool of you know Wesley and Stephen Dorff. It's like mm-hmm. you gotta have the goofy ginger. Come on. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta yeah. fulfill like the the Tyler Labine role. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every movie needs a Tyler Labine character. You, you <laughs> really do. You really do. And yeah, mm-hmm. he. He goes full tilt. He's having a blast. I agree. Uh, true, a uh, true champion of the mm-hmm. film blade. Uh, Patrick, mm-hmm. how about you? Oh man, I'm gonna give mine to. Uh, I'm gonna give a uh, flip my award in half to two smaller, two smaller uh, 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 performances. I'm gonna give half of my award to Alice Drummond, who crushes it, mm-hmm. and uh, to Wang Fu. I love her. Like you know, she's just. Not every role has to be like this big showy, just being taciturn and then having perfect timing. That's all you need to act, baby. She crushes it. She knocks it out of the dang park. 
And then the other uh, performance I want to give Taftis Harrelson to is uh, Kenny Kenny Johnson as the ding dong in the intro blade as the yes the yeah he's very good <laughs> one non vampire raver he's so good as this annoying yeah. nerd I love it and I like, was thinking the same thing I was like this guy's really reacting appropriately to what he's witnessing at this blood yeah I, I totally yeah I get it I too would be you know at this dumb rave I'd be wearing a weird hat as well and then once <laughs> I realized that blood is raining all over I'd take off that weird hat and run away I'd be yeah so- <laughs> be very concerned with what's happening yeah yeah just a great like weird minor moment from uh, a guy that would eventually be on like what six seasons of shield yeah yeah good for him yeah good for him yeah working actor good for him yeah uh you know i'm gonna i think i got it like i gotta give it to patrick swayze this week yeah like i thought i'm just very moved by his performance i was that was we uh we nearly had uh don cry Patrick. Whoa, a Don yeah. cry. Uh, well, they're far more common than a Patrick cry. Oh, near as long time, long time listeners will know. Haven't cried yet. Never, yeah, Patrick's not cried yet. We, we watched Sophie's Choice four times. And Patrick didn't cry once. Heart of stone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't pass that Blade Runner test. <laughs> no. No. You I wouldn't no save the turtle on its back. <laughs> nah, I'd be like, oh. That's a little <laughs> Not bad. But I, thought I, was, I was very, I was very moved by Swayze's work. It made me miss him, like I mentioned. And not that I didn't already miss him. I think he's terrific. I'm a huge fan. But um, yeah, I thought he brought a lot of like grace and sincerity to the role, and mm. really necessary for this part to really pull it off. And he, I think he, he just hits home run with it. I, I do find it very odd that he gets second billing to Wesley Snipes, but that just shows Wesley Snipes must have had a very good agent at that time period. <laughs> oh, for sure. I feel like there's like a couple movies where we've watched where like Wesley Snipes gets the top billing and then uh, is like almost like the second or third lead. Yeah, Wesley Snipes' agent can yell louder. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very much so. And, you know, give, and maybe Wesley Snipes' agent should have fought for that extra 10 minutes of character development for Noxie. Yes. <laughs> More like, yeah, more scenes of her playing basketball, of Noxima playing basketball. I know. Oh. So was, much fun. Yeah, so much fun to see Noxima hooping it up against the ladies' team. <laughs> Great. It ruled. It, was, it ruled. And then realizing they were celebrating too hard. Yeah. Like, had, to, had to tone it back. Had to tone it back. Tone it down, Noxima. You know, but still, you know, you're, you're, this is, you know, Wesley is only a couple years removed from White Men Can't Jump. You know, he still had his game was still on point. They had to dip that toe, toe in that pool. They had to dip their yeah, toe in that pool. Yeah, we know he's good at basketball. Come on. Yeah. We've all seen white men can't jump. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought Swayze was great. Donna Logue was great. Patrick, your choices were great. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Here so, we go. Patrick, why don't you lead it off? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's rough. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, you know, both movies are very fun. Um, they're both very entertaining. Um, I do think that this film has the best Blade performance because this is, um, I think, the Blade performance with the most of those weird asides, those fun moments where, uh, you know, maybe it's like a lot of it's just Wesley Snipes improving, adding a little bit of uh, texture to a character that could be pretty uh, one note when not uh, given said texture. Um 
he is decisively the lead of this movie. Like it's it, this is like yeah. Snipes' film. Um, I don't know. Watching uh, his performances, Maxima, this time around, I really I liked it more than I did. I felt like, um, like, and I didn't. Not that I didn't like it because I voted it for it last time. I really liked it, but uh, there's just something so um, unique about this role in comparison to all his other roles. And I think this performance kind of demonstrates a range that sort of justifies Wesley Snipes as a serious actor worth discussing. Um, his and, and, and in addition to like, you know, just his willingness to, you know, do something that's kind of off the beaten path, uh, especially for the time. It's just a cool, it's a cool performance that he doesn't, um, there's never air quotes. There's never, uh, he treats it seriously. And it's, uh, we kind of win for that. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to give it to Tu Wong Fu. I'm going to give it to Tu Wong Fu. That's my choice. One vote for Tu Wong Fu. Amy, what do you, what do you have? Well, I've been thinking about it and I'm leaning towards Tu Wong Fu, but I do wish there had been more of Wesley in that movie. Mm. And I do feel like, yeah, I just, uh, there is something, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to have to go Blade. I'm going to have to go Blade because that gives me the full Wesley and based on the impact of the film, like I love Tu Wong Fu, but I'm going to have to go full Wesley and say Blade. One, okay, one vote for Blade. Everyone's made really good points, and now it's made me more torn as I'm going. It was hard. I'm still going back and forth. Yeah, this is, this is a really tough one. This is make or break for the entire tournament, perhaps. Um, we might all he, change our answers at the very last second. <laughs> yeah, I think he gets more levels to play in Tu Wong Fu. Mm -hmm. But he does have, he doesn't have like the big emotional moment at the level I think Swayze and Leguizamo both get. That's fair, 100%. Um, Blade, he does not really get to play hugely emotional, but the hard part with Blade is that it's kind of his, def I mean, even if it's not his maybe like best or like wildest or kind of most emotional performance, it's probably his like definitive character. Yes. And I don't think that can be discounted mm. when judging this thing. And he kind of, and I think he also creates kind of the model of the badass superhero character who is also kind of funny and, you know, gets to do a lot of cool stuff. Um, both performances are incredibly physical too. You can't, they're almost evenly matched in their physicality mm. in different ways. Um, shit, I might oh, change it to too long. Foo, he's just so good in that. He's 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 excellent. This is hard. So, this is very difficult. I'm actually, and I, I'm a little surprised because I was leaning in a different direction pretty much all day. I'm gonna vote for too long. Foo, um, yeah. I think. There's 
he's great in Blade and Blade rocks. And I'm kind of sad I don't get to watch Blade again. But I guess I could watch Blade again for pleasure. <laughs> I mean, this is the science. This is science. This is not for pleasure. Yeah, what we're doing with yeah. what we're doing here. Um, and he's he, it's a singular performance. What he's doing is Noxima. I don't think that there's anything we've seen him do that's similar to that, Patrick, in terms of the run. And it's completely committed and it's completely you all and you don't see Wesley Snipes. You see Noxima Jackson. Mm-hmm. When you watch Tu Wong Fu, he's 100%. completely, he completely, actually like the other two do too, completely disappears into the character. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think, I think it's Tu Wong Fu. Yeah. Like I, I, it's weird to vote against Blade and to see Blade lose <laughs> this early, but um, you know, these things happen in this tournament, you know, it's Kramer, time. <laughs> Kramer versus Kramer lost very early yeah. in the Meryl Streep tournament. <laughs> You know, this could be our Florence Foster Jenkins. You know. Oh, I think it. I think um, I was thinking the same thing going into this episode that this has the the spirit of Florence Foster Jenkins is here <laughs> with Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. You know, underdogs, <laughs> sincere underdogs. Hmm. So, wow, Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Moves on to play the juggernaut. White men can't jump. And another excellent double feature. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, wait, that'll be that's gonna be tough. That's gonna be a, a really a very good matchup. Oh man, two very fun movies, two definitive '90s movies. Yeah, <laughs> dude, dude, these are kind of like big cornerstone. We're getting to this point where we're we're truly at like the the uh, like important, like canonically important '90s oh. films. But we also like we have to give Wesley credit. Every one of these movies super entertaining, and none of them over two hours. So yeah. <laughs> good on you, Wesley. Thank you. Yeah, no, yeah, no out of Africa. No, yeah, there uh... is no out of Africa insight <laughs> when it comes to that. Even even watching The Godfather two a couple of times, it was like this was such a great movie. It is also three hours and forty minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be watching this so frequently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but wow, a great matchup, great conversation. Let's get to today's game. Let's get to, let's get this going. Um, today's game, named after a new new favorite, new Academy Academy favorite, the Water Dance, as discussed a couple weeks ago. Um, folks, you are in a high level, high profile. This is a world championship. We'll just put it that way. Everyone is watching dance competition. Your partner, Wesley Snipes. Here in the finals, you're going up against probably some Russian duo or some like just tremendous dancing duo that, mm-hmm. you know, and they're evil. They're kind of icy. You know the type. You've seen them. Probably on steroids. Oh, yeah. They're performance enhancing drugs. I mean, we're talking the Iceland team in Mighty Ducks 2. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that, that level. They, of, like, they danced against your friend so intensely that your, your friend, friend exploded. Dead. Yeah, your friend, your friend died. is dead. Yeah. 100% your friend died. <laughs> Burst into flames. <laughs> and your friend was played by Carl Weathers. <laughs> no! <laughs> so, you guys all, everyone out there, you understand the stakes we're talking about here. So, going into this, what style of dance are you doing? And what is the soundtrack to this dance? Patrick? Oh, said to you first. This is tough. This is an incredible, you know, because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I'm with Wesley Snipes. We're both, you know... You're displaying your art, but you're also out for revenge. Yeah, we're out for revenge. We both understand that, you know, there's blood in the water, and these sharks are going to bite. 
metaphorically speaking, of course, no sharks involved. Uh, except, uh, it's an guess what? There are sharks involved. It's gonna be a, oh, no. a, a Jaws themed <laughs> uh, synchronized swimming. Oh no! Okay, <laughs> where oh, we man. we dance in such a way that every time the shark attempts to bite us, our our choreography is designed to dodge said Sark. And so being able to not only do perfect synchronized swimming, but also like, you know, saving our own skin by just narrowly avoiding shark death, you know, the judges are going to have to give us 10 out of 10s. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what song is this all set to? Oh, the song it's set to? Mm, it's got to be... This is the first song that comes to my head, and it's not right. I don't know why this is the first song. Low Rider. Yeah, I, I, I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a synchron- we're doing synchronized swimming to the song about cool cars. Yeah. Uh, there we go. It's yeah, it's a great song. Great. I, great I smell revenge in a gold medal. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Get rid of Low Rider. It's the John Williams Jaws theme. Duh. Yeah. I had a yeah. feeling. Makes more yeah. sense. Makes more sense. We can maybe have like a remix combining both. That would be incredible if we can get yeah. John Williams in a recording booth with with uh, War, the band War. War. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's uh, that is um, dollar signs, baby. Oh my gosh, right to the top of the charts too. You got a yeah. hit single. Don't let it go to your head with all that success. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine Lowrider with a full symphony backing it. Yeah. Yes. Yes, Amy, what about you? Uh, actually, um, my choice came to me pretty quickly when you when you posed this question to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> we would be popping locking to mm. poison. Okay. Ooh, yeah. As in that girl is. Yes. Poison. Yeah, I could see it. No question. Popping locking. Yeah. Just mm. yeah, keeping it straightforward and just mm. with pure expertise. You can pop and you can lock. <laughs> Yep. Well, I mean, I'm leaning toward, I'd like to see um, them do the uh, Brazilian Caparina, the martial arts dancing. That would work. Uh, Here's the deal, though. That's what Carl Weathers and his partner were doing in the round previous. That's where Carl lost his head. No. And we're going to try the exact same move <laughs> oh, it's so dangerous and everyone knows how dangerous it is i'm willing to wesley's coming at me with like a samurai sword and a drop kick simultaneously <laughs> oh it's a classic blades of glory scenario a, yes it is yeah it 100 is the russian team's like they they will never do it again they would they would lose their head just like carl weathers <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah that's how carl weathers see carl weathers also did the uh, shark jaws routine but unfortunately, he chose Danny Elfman instead of John Williams. So the time and, uh, and, and the shark ate him. Yeah, the Men in Black theme does not work in that setting. I'm going to do the thing in Happy Gilmore. You remember that shark that took your hand? Well, I got his head. <laughs> uh, um, and we're, of course, doing it to the theme song from the movie Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And it's, it's very, very dangerous. Like, yeah. it's, uh, oh, yeah, there's um, an official um, played by, oh, let's say Shay Wiggum, who's, uh, who's like the head of the dance committee. He's like, you guys can't go out there and do this. People are dying. 
We should. We really should stop holding these competitions in open waters. Yeah, yours is. <laughs> oh, and um, why not? The stage is completely on fire yeah. as we're doing all of this. It's actually. It's uh, the stage is the plane from Money Heist. The, the oh movie. yeah. Um. Also, to um, and this is this goes for all of ours. Um, strategic pieces of the stage are falling into the ether. Into like a vast pit. Below. It's like a fucking Mario Party minigame. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, this was like that movie uh, you guys covered in Escape Room. That part where they the, the stuff the floor was falling down. Yeah, exactly like that. Exactly. So, boy, uh, tune in. That's going to be a really, really popular dance. It's still going to be called the Water Dance. <laughs> <laughs> the judges are actually Eric Stoltz, Helen Hunt. Mm. And William Forsyth. Oh, there we go. Just to bring it all back William, home. William too. Forsyth, the wild card. He's yeah, he's the, definitely the Simon yeah. of um this dance competition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> William Forsyth is the Simon Cal. Yeah, Simon Cal played by William Forsyth. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That well that you know, that game went about as well and thrilling as I expected it to when I pitched it to you, Patrick. <laughs> so, yeah, money, it's a money game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much for uh coming on and uh talking these over and providing some real solid intellectual discussion yeah. to our st- stupid riffs. Yeah, thank you for suffering through our chicanery. <laughs> Aww, <laughs> <Yeah>. the, <laughs> the suffering was all mine. Yeah, no, but thank you. It was excellent, excellent comments and excellent facts about both that yeah. we had no idea about. Um, is there anything you'd like to um, plug on the way out? Uh, well, you can find me at my usual spot with the Everything is Scary podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at PodScary and on Instagram at Everything is Scary podcast. And you can find me on Instagram at Gutter Butterfly. And you can find me on Twitter at Drillay underscore Amy because I have not thought of something more clever. Thank you so much for joining and yeah, check out their show. It's great. It's super fun. I get to listen to it from the other room. Uh, <laughs> every episode live. It's a blast. Um, Patrick, I think we are one step closer to answering the question of what's your boggle. Oh man. Um, We're so close. The snipes boggle, boggle is come becoming clearer next week. Um, folks, we got, we got a real barn burner. Oh, uh, it's it's a hot up. Uh, Demolition Man versus New Jack City. Yeah. Who knows? Who, winner, <laughs> no, no one will survive that competition. This, this should, <laughs> you know, there are some people that would think this this that should be like the finals. Like yes. that those two should be so like this is yeah this is gonna be a corker. This is ludicrous. It, yeah, and on that note, we have not even scheduled a guest yet. The guest. <laughs> so if you if you're interested. Let us know. <laughs> you know I love uh, both those movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all good. Trust me, folks. You're not going to have a bad time. <laughs> Sandra Bullock, if you're listening, I know you were in Demolition Man. We wouldn't. Be we would love you. to hear some Sloan horror stories. Yes. Because there's no good Sloan stories, I'm oh, sure. <laughs> no good. <Yeah. laughs> so, Sandy, 
let us know if you want to Please. be a guest and if we and if you want to vote in abstentia for new jack city we totally understand <laughs> bill, bill Cobbs, i know you're a big fan you can come on too yeah so come join <laughs> us it's going to be great uh or if if we, we could have a our first ever you know another four-person episode andre gregory and jesse the body ventura oh yes as both of you could join us as well we'd love to hear from both of you your thoughts on anything really you can take jesse i, I have a feeling you're taking enough topic if you're coming on the show oh, so. yeah. oh man uh, if we could eat hell i'd even settle for james adomian as jesse ventura yeah no that's <laughs> that's not even settling that's probably better than jesse ventura um, yeah. honestly yeah yeah so for amy for patrick i'm don thank you so much for listening we will see you next week um in what should be a chaotic episode Oh, yeah. <laughs> we gotta, yeah. I'm gonna go, uh, see the shirts. <laughs> Wonder Woman! Wonder Woman! All the world is waiting for you And the power you possess In your satin tights Fighting for your rights And the old red, white, and blue